You're listening to Leading and Learning. This is the place where we talk about practical leadership, theology, fitness, how to create winning habits, and so much more. My name is David Spell, and I'm a retired police officer, a pastor, a New Testament scholar, and a leadership coach. My goal on leading and learning is to help you live your best life. Thanks so much for joining us today. Welcome back to Leading and Learning. This is episode number 257, Creating a Culture of Discipleship, Part 2. Last week, we started off a series talking about how we can do a better job of creating a culture of discipleship within your church. And if you've never thought of it like this, it it really is important. You remember what Jesus said, one of the last things that he said before he went away. In fact, in Matthew, it was the last thing he said. Uh, This is from Matthew 28. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So this is, this is important to Jesus, so it should be important to us, because you notice he doesn't say, go and make church members, or go and make Christians, or go and make you know people that are going to follow the rules or read their Bibles. No, no, go and make disciples. That's what Jesus was talking about. So we're, um, we're pulling from an excellent article by Jim Putnam. I'll actually put the link in there probably next week when we finish up the series. But, uh, but I'm also adding some of my own stuff. But just a quick recap. Last week, we talked about how um, getting started in creating a culture of discipleship means we, we have to understand this doesn't really take place on a Sunday morning in a worship setting. Um, now, maybe your church has a Sunday school program, and it is possible. In many cases, it does happen in a Sunday school setting. But often, it takes place very informally. Uh, maybe in a connect setting, a small group setting, whatever you call it. Uh, and very often it's it's one-on-one. I was very fortunate when I was a teenager to have a, a youth director who took um, a, an interest in me and another two or three young guys. And, you know, we went on a discipleship journey with him. And for a couple of years, we would spend time with him, maybe an hour or two once a week. So um, there's, there's different ways that we can do it. But we're going to talk about what you... What, you know, what's some of the results of using your small group setting? Um, and again, you know, different churches call them different things, but um, how you can really create a culture that's going to change the landscape of your church. Because we don't want to create uh, people that are just uh, visitors and people that are just watching and people that are just kind of sitting on the sidelines as spectators. We want to create participants and if people are just coming into your church and walking out, they're coming in, they're walking out Sunday after Sunday, and they're not connecting, they're not getting involved, they're not finding a place to serve, then really I think we're missing out on, on, on what Jesus has told us to do. Our, our goal should always be to grab people and get them plugged in where we can help them see their lives change. So last week we talked about how small groups 
um, can really initiate self-discovery because we we get in this setting with other people and we we begin to grow. And as we grow and as we talk about it in conjunction with other people, we see God working in our lives, but we also see God working in other people's lives and we get a larger context. When we grow with each other, it's a much better context because if I'm just with myself, I, I can't really see spiritual growth all the time. Uh, you know, but when I'm with other people, I can see their spiritual growth. I can see my spiritual growth. I can see areas that I still need to work on. So that's one of the, the, the really important things that a, that a small group setting provides in helping us create a culture of discipleship. Uh, another thing is that they, they invite transparency and accountability. You know, again, by myself, you know, I can talk about being accountable to myself, but that's not really realistic. I can talk about being transparent with myself, but that's not realistic. And of course, on a Sunday morning in a worship setting, in a, in a worship service, that's not very realistic either because we just don't have the time or the opportunity to, to really deal with accountability and transparency. But in a small group setting, I've got the opportunity to, um, to be transparent and to, you know, share things that I'm struggling with. I've got an opportunity to, to, to create an environment where I can be accountable to the, the, the folks that I'm in the, 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 the connect setting or the small group setting with. So um, transparency and accountability, very, very important. All right, don't go away. We're going to be right back with this week's tips on creating a culture of discipleship. I just wanted to give you a quick recap. But before we jump into this week's material, I want to let you know that this episode of Leading and Learning is brought to you by my book, Miracles in Mark, and the video course that accompanies it. Uh, Miracles in Mark was my second book. It's a study of all the miracles and all the supernatural things that Jesus performed in the Gospel of Mark. Mark has long been one of my favorites. It's one I I study a lot. I teach it. And um, a lot of this was birthed out of this book on Miracles in Mark. And this is a great, great study because for personal study or for a group study because we dig in and we see why Mark included the miracles that he included. Why did he give us the, the healings that he gave us? Why did he convey the things that he conveyed? There's a reason behind it. And so we dig in and we look at that. But also, with miracles in Mark, there is, if you're interested, a video course available. And this is absolutely perfect for a small group setting. There's over 20 videos. They're all short. They're maybe anywhere from 10 to 20 minutes long. And uh, these videos accompany the course, and then we provide discussion questions that you can use in your small group setting. Um, This really, really makes it easy to lead a small group because the curriculum's right there. You can show the video, ask the discussion questions, and then build around that. So this is a a great, great uh, tool for you to use. So there's links for the book and links for the video course um, in the show notes. Make sure you check it out. Well, all right. Today, we're jumping back into creating a a culture of discipleship uh, within your local church. 
So the first one we want to talk about today is how small groups can help us do this is a small group setting enables or allows us to build strong relationships. Now, when you look at the way Jesus did discipleship, he didn't do it with just one person. Jesus had a group around him. Of course, we know the 12, but there was actually even a larger group than that around Jesus. There were always people around. At one point, Jesus sent out a a group of of 72. Um, In Luke's gospel, I believe it's chapter 9, he sent out 72 to um, preach the gospel in the the villages in the so in in, in the area around where he was going to come preach. So Jesus um, believed in relationships. He believed in creating and cultivating his relationships. And in a small group setting, you can build some great relationships. And it's these relationships that help us get through the the tough issues in our life. Look, when things are going great. You know, I don't need faith. When things are going awesome, I don't really need a lot of people, you know, saying they're praying for me. But, you know, reality is, in life, things aren't always going good. You know, my bank account's not always full. Maybe I've got health issues or family issues or whatever. And it's great to have people that are around me, praying for me, supporting me, telling me that I know, you know, they know that I'm going to make it. Um, You know, it... One of the things Putnam mentions in the article, there's just something powerful about knowing that if you miss church, somebody's going to miss you. Not that they're going to come calling you or judging you or, you know, saying, why weren't you in church? There's just this concern. You know, I mean, look, that's that's what families do. I mean, you know, if, 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 if you miss a family member and you don't see them for a while, you want to check in on them. And it's the, the way it is with church. And so building these strong relationships are so, so powerful. Um, you know, just having people that are that care about us, that are praying for us during the week, these relationships really are um, one of the powerful building blocks of discipleship. Um, you know, the, the church is called the body of Christ. And on Sunday mornings, yeah, sure, we're the body of Christ, but it's a little different. It's a different type of setting. We don't have the time or the opportunity to to really go deep on a Sunday morning before service or after service. But in a connect setting, in a small group setting, we've got the opportunity to go deeper in that relationship and to really get to know each other. And you know, one of the fascinating things about what Jesus did was he picked a group of people that were extremely diverse. You know, it wasn't like he was going to the synagogue and just, you know, grabbing um, a group of, uh, you know, sharp young uh, rabbinical students. No, no, he was grabbing a diverse group. He's got some fishermen. He's got a tax collector. Um, he's got a, a, a political extremist, Simon the Zealot. Um, maybe some farmers, some other people. You know, just a, a crazy mix of people, and yet Jesus brought them together and used them to change the world. So these strong relationships that we develop in a small group setting are very powerful. Listen, I mean, we've got people that we're connected to in, in, in the church that we've been in now for over 20 years, and they can still remember, you know, when we were leading a small group 17, 18, 19, 20 years ago, and they remember it, and they talk about some of the meetings we had in our house, and, 
you know, some of the things we talked about. And, and it, it was very formative in our lives, of course, as the leaders. We, we benefit as well. But some of these folks were new Christians, and they talk about how, you know, at that time as a new Christian, this was a formative time in their life. And getting together with other Christians and getting into the Bible and praying for each other, they say, you know, listen, that's, that's why I'm still a Christian. That's why I'm still following God was because, you know, we got to know Jesus and got to know you guys in a small group setting. So this is so powerful. So strong relationships help us create a culture of discipleship. And then the, 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 the second one we want to deal with today, and this is so powerful, is being in a small group setting and cultivating relationships like we just talked about allow us to develop, to observe, and to demonstrate the fruit of of the Holy Spirit. Now, you may not think in a, of, of a small group setting as a place you know, where, you, where you really want to develop the fruit of the Holy Spirit, but trust me, anytime you have people together, there's an opportunity for friction. Anytime you've got people together, there's, there's an opportunity to get frustrated or angry or impatient. Um, you know, anytime you put, you know, people with differing personalities into any kind of setting, there's an opportunity for, for some type of conflict. And so this gives us an opportunity to develop, observe, and demonstrate the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And Galatians 5, and 23 tell us what these fruit are. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, these things don't just come naturally to us. Um, and, and just give you an example. I mean, look, we've all been in that small group where you've got that one person that's just needy and wants to manipulate the conversation. Well, what do we do? Do we get angry? Do we tell them to shut up? Do we ostracize them? Do we, you know, correct them? Do we judge them? Or do we gently rein in the conversation and pray for them? Do we maybe pull them aside afterward and just, you know, kind of talk to them about, you know, manipulating the conversation or dominating the conversation? But however we do it, we're gentle and we're reflecting the character of Christ. You know, the disciples were with Jesus for three years. And, you know, they walked along and they saw him live out and they saw him really demonstrate what spiritual maturity was. And trust me, the disciples didn't always get it right. You know, when you read through the Gospels, you see uh, James and John saying, you know, you know, the, there was a village that didn't receive Jesus, and they wanted to call fire down from heaven. In another place, there was a, a man who was casting out demons in Jesus' name, but he wasn't one of the disciples. That uh, Peter and John, or James and John, went and corrected him and said, no, you can't do that. In other places, you know, the, the uh, parents were bringing their children to Jesus so that they could be blessed. And the disciples said, get out of here with those kids. Leave Jesus alone. And so the disciples didn't always get it right. But over that time of being with him for three years, they saw what spiritual maturity looks like. And you know, these things that we're talking about, these, these fruit of the Spirit, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the faithfulness, the gentleness, the self-control, these things don't just take place in a vacuum. I mean, if I'm by myself, yeah, you know, I really don't need to worry about the fruit of the Holy Spirit, but they're developed in the context of relationships. And, you know, obviously we want to carry these things out with us into the world, 
to your place of business, to your schools, whatever. But we also want to demonstrate them in the context of Christian community as well. You know, you can tolerate anybody for 10 or 15 minutes on a Sunday morning, but in an hour or hour and a half connect or small group meeting, it may be a little bit more different or difficult to, to put up with somebody's idiosyncrasies or their personality quirks, which we always have. And so this is such a great opportunity for us to practice and, and, and develop and observe and demonstrate the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus, one of the other great stories in the Gospels is, is, is of the disciples. They're walking along the road. and They're arguing over which one of them was the greatest. I, I don't get it. I don't understand it. But, you know, I can't look down my nose at them because I've probably done stuff as, just as stupid and just as prideful. But they're arguing about which one of them is the greatest. And Jesus really took the opportunity to say, you know, look, if you want to be like, you know, if you really want to be great, you've got to be like a child. And then not long after that, he, he, he showed what it meant to really be great in the kingdom by kneeling before them and washing their feet. So, so Jesus really showed what it meant to be a follower of him, and he showed what true greatness meant. So for us, we're wanting to create a culture of discipleship. So just to recap today, we, we do this because, and we're able to do this in a small group because we're able to develop strong relationships. Look, I can't be a disciple by myself. You can't be a disciple by yourself. We do it in the context of relationships, and we can only develop relationships in a small group setting. And then also uh, in, in a small group setting, we're able to um, develop, observe, and demonstrate the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Well, we'll stop there, and next week we'll jump back in. We've still got a couple more to talk about. And, uh, and, and you know, look, there is nothing, nothing more important for the church than in cultivating and creating disciples. That's what Jesus wanted us to do. So I hope this has been helpful to you. I'd love to hear from you. Go to davidspell.com. Uh, leave me a question or comment in the comment section for today's post. Uh, while you're there, make sure you sign up to get my free newsletter. And by all means, click on the link in the show notes to check out Miracles in Mark and the video uh, course that goes along with it. Well, friends, thanks for being with me. And until next week, this is David Spell encouraging you to keep creating disciples. Mm-hmm.